Well, just a few minutes this morning, I just want to talk to you about this day. This day is the day that we celebrate as the birth of Christ. No one really knows what day that was, whether it was in December or whether it was in the springtime. Some people say it was in the springtime because that's when the shepherds would have been out with their sheep. I, heard, I read one biblical scholar this week that said um, shepherds would have still been tending Listen to this. We don't know if this is true at all. It's marvelous speculation. What if they would have been temple sheep and that shepherds were tending the temple sheep that were used for the sacrifices? And upon that stage, the announcement was made to shepherds who were tending the sheep that were going to be shed their blood was going to be shed for the forgiveness of sins and all of a sudden a savior been born I I don't that's total speculation but wouldn't that be cool if that's the way it turns out to be in the fourth century it was decided at that time that December the 25th would be Christmas Day and what you've read by some atheists or skeptics it true they took a pagan festival a pagan festival to a sun god and celebrated Christians celebrated Christmas on this pagan day. People have speculated, well, why did they take that day? Well, I've heard, read one scholar said, well, maybe they were just trying to take a jab at all those people that were worshiping a sun god. Another person said, well, that's when they could have had a celebration of their own and wouldn't gotten in trouble because everyone else was celebrating. And they wouldn't have had to come under persecution because some people were celebrating the, uh, the worship of the sun god and the group of Christians were over here that were celebrating. And maybe they would have got away with that celebration without too much notice. I think it's also fascinating to know that uh, December the 25th is one of the darkest days of the year, meaning that there is only two more days of the year that have more light. And in light of the message that we had last week about songs in the night and Jesus came on the darkness, it's interesting that December 25th is one of the darkest days that we have on our calendar with less sunlight. All of that really makes no difference whatsoever. Don't let anyone scoffing the fact that we don't know the real date doesn't make any difference whatsoever. If all of a sudden I find out today that I really wasn't born on December the 13th and I was all of a sudden, there was some mistake made and all of a sudden I knew I was, found out I was really born on December 12th, I, who cares? <laughs> it wouldn't bother me a lick. It's not an issue of contentment or one that any, uh, people should contend for or one that anybody should worry about. It makes no difference. But what really does make the difference is that Jesus came. It's like arguing in Genesis 1 about dates and times and whens and wheres and hows. You can argue and get muddled down in the midst of biology and science in Genesis 1 and 2, and you miss the theology that's there. Over 30 times, God, uh, the, the Scripture uses God. God, the truth of Genesis 1 and true, the truth of Genesis 1 and 2 is that God acted. When he acted... How he acted, I don't know. I can, I, can get mirrored, I can get lost in that argument. The truth is God showed up and God did something. That's what you try to... Don't, don't learn science and biology from Genesis 1 and 2. Learn theology. 
Don't theology. Don't argue over the parts. The whole, the whole thing there is that God is moving. God is on the move, and he's done something. So the date makes no difference, but uh, Jesus coming makes all the difference in the world. Do you realize that if Jesus had uh, never come, that um, we wouldn't have all but one of our 123 first universities in colonial America because they were all Christian universities. All but one of the first 123 universities in colonial America were founded for Christian purposes. This is the original seal for Harvard. Now, it's not the seal they use now. This was the original seal for Harvard. It's in Latin. In the middle there is veritas. It means truth. The, 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 the seal that Harvard uses now still has truth, still has veritas on it. But the original seal, seal said truth for, do you see this over here, Christo? Truth for Christ and the church. Ecclesia. The original seal, 1643. The original seal for Harvard. Truth for Christ and up this side it says Ecclesia, the church. Uh, if not, Jesus had not come, how many of those 123 universities would be there today? Christians were on the forefront of all kinds of educational advances. Thanks for that, Jeff. I appreciate that. You know, if Jesus really redefined masculinity, didn't he? Uh, a man could be strong but yet gentle. The way we look at masculinity today, at least in the Christian world, changed because of Jesus. That a man can be strong yet meek. A man doesn't have to go around all the time being a big blowhard and trying to show all of his masculinity. And many times when we're the strongest, the Bible says, is when we're the weakest as well. So his grace can be sufficient for us. Jesus changed Women and children, too. Gave them status. Gave them status. They had no status before Jesus came. We're almost expendable. Jesus came and he honored women. And he honored children. Jesus redefined um, family. And while Jesus exalts the family, he extended family to include brothers and sisters to do the will of God. And we know today that we can be able to travel and go into a church and we can sense a kindred spirit with like-minded Christians. The word kindred spirit, you have the word kin in that. Jesus enlarged totally our understanding of family. And for some of you all, you would think that your church family is just as close to you as your birth family. Not at all in any way to put down birth family. But there's a kindred spirit that Jesus brings about fellow brothers and sisters because we've been adopted into the same family. Jesus redefined the word neighbor, didn't he? Neighbor's not the person that lives right next to you. He defined the word neighbor. He, he, he redefined the word God. We talked about it three weeks ago. God is not only now a king and a judge, God is a father who sent his son. And that changes forever 
the way we be able to look and be able to understand God. Jesus redefined worship. Redefined worship. Worship was not something that we do with the killing of bulls and goats. Worship was something very personal. And Jesus says, you know what? If you, if you come into worship and you realize you've got something against your brother and sister, you need to leave. And you need to go worship by taking care of that problem you have with a, a, a fellow brother and sister before you come back and be able to worship. Jesus said also, he says, I desire mercy more than sacrifice. Yeah, you can go kill this, this bull, this goat, all you want to. But there's added things to that as well. Jesus, when he came, he redefined all of that. Jesus redefined giving, didn't he? Because he, lo he looked at that lady one time and says, you know, she's only given a couple of coins over here. But she gave more than all the rest of them combined. He redefined that. Jesus redefined prayer. He says, you know, Pastor Horton, he's out there praying on street corner. So everybody can hear him. But if you really want to please God, you go talk to the Father in secret. You don't have to put on airs. You don't have to prove to everybody what a good prayer you are and pray such a pretty prayer. Just go in your closet. Go in your closet. Speak to the Father who will see you, hear you in secret. Jesus redefined the cross, didn't he? It was literally a symbol of execution. That's all it was. It was an ordinary symbol of execution. And today it's worn around people's necks. That would be, now we don't, we, we have a hard time grasping that. Because we've just seen people wear crosses all the time. But how odd would it be today for me to come in here with, around my neck with a symbol of a, a syringe that is a symbol of lethal injection? It'd be a similar thing. That would be so odd. And how odd in the day that Jesus would use a, a symbol of torture to be a symbol of redemption for people. He, he changed the way, redefines the way that we look at the cross, and he redefines the way that we look at death as well. And when, when the sister came to him and crying, and should have been here, you're late. Why didn't you come on time, Jesus? He says, um, don't worry, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. You believe in me, though you will die, yet you will live again. Jesus redefined so much. And as I was kind of putting those things together, you know, Brandon, I thought, that'll be a good sermon series. <laughs> All the redefinition to things that Jesus has brought to this world. But he also redefines something that's found right in the middle of the Christmas story. And if you give me about five more minutes, and let's look together at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It's the Christmas story, and we know that. But there's something in here that Jesus redefines even before his birth. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, can we go back to the first slide, if that's not really throws you off upstairs? The very first slide, second slide, please. There it is. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Jesus, even before his birth, redefined what righteous means. Joseph was a righteous man. What in that day and time would have meant he was a keeper of the law. He was a keeper of the law. He did what was right in the eyes of the Old Testament law, the Hebrew Bible. And the Bible calls him a righteous man. And for him to be able to do the righteous thing, he would have to be able to follow Old Testament law and have her stoned. But even before Jesus was born, he redefined what righteous means for you and for me. Righteousness is not only doing the right thing. Righteousness has a lot to do with how you do the right thing. You see what it says about Joseph? He loved her, and he was going to put her away, but he was going to do it quietly. He wasn't going to show off his righteousness in front of his pharisaical friends, and he could have done that. He could have pulled his pharisaical friends together and, and, and says, here, I am fulfilling the Old Testament law. This woman has gone out on me. She is pregnant. She has broken our marital vows, premarital vows. And I'm following the law. Guys, pick up a stone. And that would have been pretty much the way stuff happened back then. And everybody would have patted him on the back. Oh, I know it was hard, but you're worshiping God and doing the right thing. And his life would have gone on. But the text says he was a righteous man. And Jesus redefined righteousness even before his birth. Because righteousness is not only doing the right thing, it's doing the right thing in the right way. Doing the right thing in the right spirit. So he's going to put her away, but he's going to do it quietly. He's not going to make a big show about it. He's not going to parade off his righteousness in front of first century Jerusalem. He's going to do the right thing in a very loving, kind, merciful way. Righteousness is not only doing something right, it's how you do it. Well, I guess I'll tithe. <laughs> My wife wants me to do it. I guess I will. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> it's not only what you do. It's how you do it. 
not only what you say, it's how you say it. Jesus, even before his birth, redefined what we understand about righteousness. It's not only about coming to church. It's about why you come to church. It's not only about reading your Bible. It's about why you're reading your Bible. Jesus takes righteousness to a completely different level. And he says it's not about just being able to keep the commandment that says thou shalt not murder. It's not even being angry with your brother. It's a much deeper type of righteousness. And Jesus redefined many things. But I'd like for you to take this with you today, that he redefined what it means to be right with God. And it's not only about doing the right thing. It's about how you do it and for what reason you do it. That's really tough. It's a lot easier sometimes just to do the right thing than to be able to do it for the right motive. Than to be able to do it with the right spirit. Than be able to do it cheerfully. That takes grace. That takes grace. And that takes a willing spirit to be able to say, do such a deep work in me, God that I'll not only do the right thing, I'll do it for the right reason and I'll do it in the right way. Boy, this Christmas, I believe God would be deeply pleased with you if doing the right thing is not good enough for you. <laughs> but doing it with the right attitude, with the right motive, with the right intent, with the right spirit, is even more important than doing the right thing. Oh, we, 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 we know this in our society. Even in our secular society, we know this because people sometimes will, will um, say the wrong thing or their words will be a little harsh. And even secular people will say something like... Um, well, he's got a good heart, won't they? Even secular world will look to motives and look to intent. Somebody will, will just, just, just absolutely maybe insult someone and will kind of pass it off and say, well, she meant well. Uh, I want to be a person that does right, but I also want to be a person that does right for the right reason, that I mean well. And that shows a heart that has been totally changed. That's what I want. I want it for 2012 and beyond because Jesus changed the definition of righteousness. Let's pray together. Now, Father, in the quietness of this moment, I believe there are people in here that just want to stop doing the right thing. They're just kind of tired of doing the right thing. 
They want a heart that is so changed that they want to do the right thing. They have a heart that is so changed that doing the right thing comes second nature to them. They want to do the right thing for the right reason, the right intent with the right motive. And Father, I believe there are 5, 10, 15 people in here that deeply want that for the rest of their life. And Father, that's an act of your grace. Would you pray to him now? And would you talk to the Father? Giver of all good things that can give you a heart that not only does the right thing, but does it in the right way. That not only says the right thing, but says it in the right way. That not only does the right thing, but does it with the right attitude, with the right spirit. If you feel like you need to talk to the Father, would you do that right now, please? Father, we just ask for those that talked to you just then that you'd hear the prayer of their heart and you would do such a deep work of righteousness in their hearts and in their lives that they wouldn't be people who just do the right thing. They would do it with the right attitude, spirit, motive, and intent. God, make us those kind of people. People that our loving people and combine our right doing with grace and love. Father, I believe you've heard the prayer of some of these folks today. What a great Christmas gift you would be able to give us today for a heart, a heart that not only does right, does it for the right reason, the right motive. Never let us be able to think that our righteousness is just a cloak to cover our sin. May we understand that the righteousness that comes from you is also a righteousness that changes us from the inside out. So we can be people, as Titus says, that can please you in this day and age. Thank you for being with us. It was a great, great Christmas day with our families and with our friends. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We stand together, please, and can you receive the benediction? Leave today and may God grant you the joy of the shepherds. May he grant you the obedience of Joseph. And may he grant you the wonder of Mary this Christmas season. Have a great day.